Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Okay, welcome to the run.down. Uh, I'm here with Colin. Um, how's it going, Colin? What's up, what's up, what's up? Here with Schwinn. How's it going, Schwinn? Uh, it's going well. Uh, as Jalen Brunson would say, the vibes are immaculate. And always here with co-host Tyrese, a.k.a. at London's Theory. How's it going, Tyrese? Good. good. Everything's going good. It's a great day. Um, I mean, the Knicks just absolutely walloped the Hawks, 122 to 101 to tie the season series, which I think, I mean, hopefully it doesn't end up mattering, but you never know. Um, this is probably the most complete game the Knicks played all season. I mean, I think we can just jump right into it. Um Let's start with Schwinn. Schwinn, what were your thoughts on the game? Um, I thought the Knicks came out with, I think it was very obvious. They watched the game from last time they played Atlanta. Uh, I think, I don't know if they had watched it or they talked about it or whatever. They got destroyed on the glass early in that game, which is why even though they shot like, I think they shot 70% from the field in the first half, they were only up three at halftime, which was a bad sign. Um. And they came out today and they played probably the best. I don't mean they might've played better defensive halves, but this one felt very different. It felt like they came out with a purpose of you're not going to, like we are going to own the glass and fucking throw it the other way. And they did it the entire first half, which is kind of why the third quarter was annoying because they went into like this whole walk the ball, walk up, walk the ball at the floor. I mean, not just the third, they did in the fourth too, but um, I mean, they, they took the soul out of this Hawks team early in that game. And I know they made a little run in the third, but like they just, they, they, they could not match the intensity. They could not match the physicality when the Knicks couldn't buy a bucket in the third. You just had Julius get monster offensive rebounds and put, put backs. Hart had a few, like, I mean, they just completely, outworked them, out-physicaled them, out-fought them. They took their will. I don't know what the fuck Trey Young was doing out there today, or DeJounte Murray for that matter. Like, j- these are their lines. Uh, Trey Young, 4 of 14 from the field, 19 points, because he, you know, tricked the refs into getting to the line 13 times. 11 assists, 4 steals. The the worst 4 steals you'll ever see in your life, by the way. All the result of him playing lazy, dog shit, bottom first, like, just first percentile defense. Absolute disgusting player um wish him nothing it's, it's lower than that let's be honest he's the worst defender in basketball and it's not close he's one of the worst defenders i've ever seen he's absolutely terrible Dejounte murray three of 12 from the field oh four from three five rebounds three assists six points six points this is a guy that apparently we had to trade you know <laughs> unprotected picks and it was a disgrace that we didn't do it like look i know this is not indicative of the player he is but there's a reason why I thought that price was crazy. And um, at the end of the day, you look at the other end, you'd see Jalen Brunson, 28 points, 10 of 19 from the field, nine rebounds, five assists. I know he had five turnovers when it wasn't his cleanest game, but uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous. The difference between these guys and forget just the numbers. You look at the leadership. I loved that possession today where Jalen just got super pissed at Sims. Cause yeah. he was like, you're not in the right fucking place. Get the fuck over there. Um, and I think Randall got, a bucket out of where he got fouled, whatever it was. But it's like that is the type of leadership you need at times where it's like 
you're not just passively like you're taking matters into your own hands. And um, I, I can't say enough about how good this this per- I think this performance actually stood out because it wasn't perfect. Like they had, you know, again, Brunson had five turnovers. Randall had three turnovers. Randall had a stretch in the third quarter where he decided to like do stupid, annoying Randall stuff. RJ did not have a great game again. Um, you know, like there's a Sims was okay, but probably, you know, again, get outplayed by Hartenstein, which it's just weird that like, we won't start Hartenstein. Anyway, the point is like, this wasn't a perfect game. You know, this was not uh, like, I'll say, I'll say to that twin. I, I don't know if it was, I, I think it was when you and Stacy on you and Stacy's pod, but I actually like that Hartenstein's not, uh, not starting just because when Mitch comes back, Hartenstein won't have to do anything different. He's just, yeah, he's just, yeah, he's I, I don't mind that. I just think it's like. Look, we're we're just, I'm just happy that Brunson went on a heater and Randall's on a heater. I'm just happy. and we're, our offense is so good that it, it didn't require that. Um, but like, yeah, look, this was this was just an awesome win and six seed. You know, you go into the All Star break. They went eight and six in that game, fourteen game stretch without Mitch. Like, I, I was, I think I was saying six and seven would be good. And I thought it was reasonable eight and, or whatever it was six and eight, whatever eight and six is great. Eight and six is awesome. And, and they stretch. dropped two and games. They, they probably should have won. A, yeah. Right. And they probably should have won a couple more games, but like this team is really good. And this team, look, if RJ actually gets it together during all-star break, I think the, I don't know what this team could be. I'm like almost scared to like say what I think it could be, but I think they could be very fucking good. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, does your projection think... start with an E and end with an F? Uh, Eastern Conference semifinals, yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good cop, good cop, good cop. Tyrese, what did you think of the game? I loved it. It was a great game as a spectator fan. Um, it was just good to watch. Like, uh, I'm not going to be as critical in RJ Barrett as I think a lot of us might be. Shocker. Guys, hold on. Um, so proud of you, Tyrese. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. But um, but yeah, like, I think he finished well um inside the arc, and even though he didn't, he could not hit shit from three. Like I still feel like he had a solid game overall. I liked his defense. It wasn't perfect, but it was like at least he showed activity and motor on that end, which is good to see. Um, didn't turn the ball over. Ultimately, I feel like he played within himself. Uh, and the shots that he missed, like, if he hits two of those, we're like, this is a great fucking RJ game. Um, but, yeah, like, ultimately, if I feel like RJ played fine, I think Randall played good, like, 25-11. It's so Typical. nice that this is just a good Randall game now. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, 25-11. <laughs> like, these are his averages on, like, 60 true shooting. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, like Grimes kind of really hits things, but like I think he played fine defense overall. Like he had Trey Young in fucking jail. Uh, Dejounte Murray couldn't do shit either. Um, Brunson, I think the big thing to look at is the nine rebounds because like he was battling for boards, and I feel like that was been a big criticism criticism of him. I feel like there was one particular play where like he gets the offensive rebound against DeAndre Hunter, and he just like annoys him to the point where like, he's able to track that offensive rebound, and I think it turns into a three. So like. He set the tone, or even on the. Def- I think he might have gotten the first defensive rebound of the game. Yeah, and he like careened in there to get it. Like it was, you could tell that. I'm telling you, man, that last game, that must have been, that must have been all the pregame talk was, was like, you know, clean up the fucking defensive glass, whatever. Yeah, like it's you guys can score against them. 
and they just gave a fucking 144 to the Hornets. Stop being idiots. Um, yeah, like, and he didn't even really shoot that well from three-point range, but, like, I feel like the fact he's actually willing to take three-point shots, good. Um, the turnovers were annoying, but, like, they only had nine, so I'm not really too, like, concerned about it. You wish they had more assists, but, like, when Brunson and Randall are having shot being clinics the way they are. Um, and I still feel like the ball movement was good overall, because I feel like a lot of the play finishing was just done after, like, three dribbles. Like, you would see, like, it would be a kick out, wide open lane. Hart would basically, like, finish around the cup or whatever. Um, kick out, shot to Obi Toppin. So, like, I don't think the playmaking was bad. I don't think the passing was bad. I just kind of felt like they had – they were on a heater for a lot of the first quarter and then the fourth, um, the first half of the fourth quarter. And, yeah, just good game overall. I don't think anybody had a bad game, which is good to say going to the All-Star break. For sure. I mean, definitely have momentum headed into the All-Star break. Colin, close us out. What did you think of the game? Uh, I thought – I mean, it was fine, I think. We had a couple different reasons. Like, I hate to keep using the phrase, and I've done really well this season about not using it, where it's like, oh, X years, you know, Knicks team would not have won this game, and X years team would not have won this game. But when you look at, like, the final count, we had 10 turnovers to their five. We had 16 assists to their 25. They scored more points in the paint. The only difference was the three-point shooting, and even then that was established in the first half. We had two different stretches where – we went three minutes without a basket. Uh, just a good gutsy win. It wasn't pretty at all. Neither was either of my prom dates. But you know what? Still got the job done. Like it just a blast from the past. There. Yeah, it's like they had five of the eighties. You take the win and you walk out with your head up. You know, but maybe we don't talk about a couple of different stretches there. Uh, <laughs> I think we saw that this could really be like a Tibbs team. The way he wants to play it, if everybody's bought in and we have like additional personnel in the sense of like Hart and Hart are playing the way that they're playing, Hart enables quickly to play a little more the way he likes to play. Um, and again, Mitch is coming back. I don't even know if RJ really needs to find anything at this point. Like he just needs to not shoot 0% from three. And Mitch comes back and we're just automatically in a different tier. Uh, I don't know about Eastern Conference Finals. That feels like a stretch. But, they hey, a win that, that we needed and they got it. I'm not going to bitch. Fuck uh, Trey Young. That's two stinkers in a row, I think, or three stinkers in a row. We've had his number for a minute. Could, could you remember, like, there was, like, some kind of pregame where Dominic Wilkins is like, you know, uh, the Hawks might just have the Knicks number. Like, completely ignoring the fact that, like, since Trey Young has been drafted – the Knicks have waxed the Hawks aside from that playoff series. Well, that's why I love Flames. Dolan tweeted the the meme of the backpack strap that's like holding on by like the one thin thread. And it was like the Hawks holding on to that one playoff series. Because <laughs> seriously, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, fantastic that they got one situational fucking moment. But uh, yeah, I, I just like, ah, uh, man, the Hawks just. They're a pitiful fucking franchise. I'm sorry. Like I, I, I have to talk about it because like there were people in this fan base who were like in tears over not trading for Dejounte Murray, like literally tears sobbing down their face, cursing the front office, stating that the Knicks didn't know they were doing. Why are they going after Jalen Brunson? 
And as somebody who had to watch DeJounte Murray play basketball in San Antonio, and somehow DeJounte Murray acted like San Antonio held him back or whatever, which is fucking stupid. Like, dude, DeJounte Murray is not that good of a player. Like, he's not too unprotected first-round pick good. Like, I'm sorry. DeJounte and Murray, a pick swap. And a pick swap. And a and, first. And a, another first. Yeah, like, so essentially four pick value going out for DeJounte Murray. I'm sorry. He's not that good. He's, He's going to be their franchise face in about four months. <laughs> I mean, shit. He might, I'm excited. Like, I'm excited for Hawks fans. Dude, I'm sorry. Like, 55 true shooting, and that's, is that what you got, had you guys twerking? Like, the defense has regressed, too, if you noticed it. Like, he didn't do shit defensively this game. Like, I didn't care about him. I didn't feel him at all. He's living off that one defensive team he made his second year before the ACL tier. He, he's the most overrated defender in the league. I've been saying this for a while. Like, I, I remember – was it? I think it was last year, RJ absolutely cooked him both times he played San Antonio, roasted him. And I'm like, like, look, I like RJ, and I'm happy to see him cook anybody. But what are we talking about here? All, you got an all-defense guy getting roasted by RJ Barrett off the dribble? Like, come on. No, no, no. Like, you're not. You're not, you're not an all-defense guy. Calm down. Like, he, he's – it's like his all-star. It, it's, it's the most ridiculous accolade that people throw. Oh, he was an all-star. Cool, dude. David Lee was a fucking all-star. What do you want me to do about it? Like, he's a David Lee All Star, a guy who's a good player. That the all like calling him an All Star is like you know, it's it's a joke. He's a fringe All Star, and that's what he is. Like, this is why I hate when people use the term "star" lightly. It's like, no, f- like the random dude who puts up twenty two points per game is not a star. Like, I'm sorry. Um, he's a, he put up volume on a terrible team. Like, I've never thought he's a star. I don't even think his. All, all, alternate All Star was deserved, you know. Like I really don't, and I, I think, he, and you're you're seeing like the difference between what is what does a guy like Jalen Brunson do when you give him that type of usage versus what does Dejounte Murray do when he gets that type of usage? And the difference is Brunson can scale up. Brunson can scale up his usage while maintaining his maintaining his special thing to be capable of as a as a player. Um, who hasn't had that opportunity before? While Dejounte is, you know, doing fun things in Atlanta or something. I have no, idea. I have no idea. They suck. Um, they're fucked. By the way, they should probably trade Trey Young, who looks absolutely miserable. They're going uh, to, and they should also probably fire Nate McMillan because they took. Look at their box score tonight. They Are they did, the worst vibes team in the league right now? Uh, maybe no, Houston. Houston. Yeah, but Houston's just like. Dumb, At least Houston has like young. five guys that are all like Babies. nineteen to twenty-two and talented. Yeah, but like Trey Young who doesn't want to be there. John Collins who doesn't want to be there. The Hawks don't want him to be there, and Dejounte is wildly underwhelmed. And DeAndre Hunter just sits in the corner and doesn't say anything, making ninety million dollars. But... Yeah, it's like it's like RJ annoys me. Dean McMillan contemplated retiring mid-season. Like, yeah, like RJ is annoying me because he's trying to do too much, but at least like I can understand that. Cause it's like, all right, I got paid. I got to like try to make shit happen. And I feel like DeAndre Hunter is just like, I got paid. I'm chilling, bro. I'm hanging out in this corner. And if the ball finds me, I might do something with it. Other than that, I'm good. I'm not going to rebound. Not going to actually play defense, but it's like if Trey Young's not throwing it to me behind the back, like I just really don't have any interest. Yeah, they they have the second lowest three point attempt rate in the league right now. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, what 
He's got and the three, the three they attempted so, like Trey Young took like three logo threes for whatever reason. It Wally was a was moment. It was embarrassing. W- Wally was so mad. Wally yeah, was so mad after one of them. He was like, he was like, that's one of those threes where if you're you're his teammate, you say, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it was a great call by Wally. I was, I was laughing. Dude, Wally, Wally had that was an all time game for Wally, man. He was just. He was so disgusted watching the Hawks play. Like, he was just upset at every decision they made. And I can't blame him because, like, the Hawks play dumb basketball. Like, that's the best way to put it. They just play – they're all sizzle, nose like substance. And it's just, like, they – if they're not winning, they're just getting their head caved in. So, like, ugh. Yeah, they're – they're in trouble. Um, and I think looking at the box score really highlights the point Colin made that like this was a 21 point win that was far from a perfect performance by the Knicks, you know, and, you know, we can talk about the Hawks franchise. We can talk about their future, their ceiling the next two years. But I mean, the Knicks were the line was moving away from the Knicks for a reason. Like the, I'm not saying the Hawks are a great team, but this was a tough opponent for the It was supposed to be a tough opponent for the Knicks. And, you know, your five-point dogs and to go on the road and win a game, your five-point dogs in by 21 when, you know, pretty much nobody except for maybe Brunson gave close to their best stuff. I mean, that's that says a lot about where this team's at and where, where it can go over the next few months. So, I mean, this was a big win for the Knicks, in my opinion. One team looked like they wanted to – one team looked like they didn't even want the all-star break. Like they wanted to just keep playing games. And the other team looked like – they weren't just ready for all-star break. They look like they're ready for fucking Cancun. Um, Am I an asshole because I'm low-key getting annoyed with RJ? Is he drunk? He just won't stop smiling. In the post-game? I mean, in the post-game, and right now he's talking to Rebecca, and every time he closes his mouth, it just opens back up to, like, this huge smile. I'm like, good for I mean, him. Like, they're, they're going to Magic City afterwards. They so must I, be, like... like Dude, the way the Pulse game, the way they were moving, they're going to Magic City. Like, if you don't miss more than 10 shots, we got you at Magic City tonight. I mean, look, I think the the all-star break is coming for him at the perfect time. Um, Because today wasn't just like he's missing threes. That one three he took from like the wing in the first half that he airballed, he took two that he airballed, but one of them was like not even in the corner. It was from the wing. It was just atrocious. Um, But he like arced his back in this bizarre way and like doesn't jump. I don't know what's going on with this three, but he needs his all-star break. And I would like it if he would go work with not Drew Hanlon. That would be cool. Um, That would be fun. I think you should try that out. I'm also, yeah, I don't know. I'm just so (laughs) tired of him. And it's like in the second half, in the fourth quarter specifically, he saw so much success, at least like getting the foul call when he just stopped taking these open fucking shots and dribbling to the rim. Um, I feel like he's trying to be really methodical and, and like, I get that to an extent, but sometimes I'm like, it's okay to be, just be six, six, two thirty, dude. Like that's actually great. You should do that a lot. You should try it out. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess we can, before we get into that, let me do the ad read real quick just to get it out of the way. Um, not that you don't enjoy it. You just, yeah, not that I don't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, ask um, what to talk about. Nothing I love more than a good ad read. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many unknowns. Uh, the title title picture is looking as wide as ever. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out right now, everyone. Can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Get to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Um, I personally had a Knicks same-game parlay today that included the Knicks winning, but also expected Julius Randle to pass the ball, and that did not occur much tonight, so I lost by one leg. That is typically how it goes but you know sign up anyway because it makes the games more fun um (laughs) download the app now sign up with code tbpn place a five dollar pregame money line bet on any nba team to win their game and get 150 dollars in free bets if they do that's code tbpn only at DraftKings sportsbook all right i mean can i uh, I say something real quick just real quick yeah no frank you can say no the mavericks the mavericks have 54 points with 816 left in the third quarter Luca has 28 points on 14 shots. I'm not saying these guys are great that he's playing with. Okay. They're definitely not. But like you watch them play those two games with just Kyrie. Um, and they played actually, no, they played one game with just Kyrie and then one game, I think, without either Kyrie or Luca. And you had Josh Green going off. You had Jaden Hardy going off. You had all these guys, the balls pinging around. Like this idea that Luca is being held back by the talent around him is kind of a joke at this point. Like Jalen Brunson should be an all-star. Kristaps Porzingis, if he was on a better team, probably would have made an all-star team this year. Like Josh Green, what? I mean, yeah, he's played well with Luca, but like he's clearly capable of doing more than what he is doing in a game like this. And I'm like kind of sick of hearing about how Luca needs help. The Mavericks need to do more to put talent around Luca. Maybe Luca needs to stop playing a fucking obese piece of shit and move the ball sometimes and bring the ball up the floor with any type of speed. Maybe he should do that and come into fucking, maybe come into training camp, not looking like a goddamn fucking balloon. That would be good too. That's it. I, I don't want to get that. I, I asked you, Schwinn, before the season started, we talked about this. The, the trajectory Luke is on right now, he's basically trying to be a less athletic, probably just less skilled version of 2009 LeBron James. And even LeBron had to like learn how to do stuff off the ball before he could win at the highest level. And it seems like until he figures out to your point, maybe a nicer version of your point, but to your point, nonetheless, until he drastically alters his style that he tries to play the game, he's going to reduce anyone he plays with except for, Specifically, I don't think he'll have this the effect on Kyrie that he had on like Porzingis, <laughs> yeah. but like most of his teammates, he's gonna he's gonna they're basically just gonna be super role players at best. You he he does not enable a star. Obviously, the exact opposite end of the spectrum in this conversation is a Steph Curry, who any star can play with Steph Curry, and they won't have to change the way they'll play, and they'll be as good as they they like they were beforehand because Steph is the ultimate teammate enabler. I don't think anybody wants anybody expects Luca to be Steph, but he has to learn off the ball stuff. He has to, he can't just, he can't just be this Helio star. There's no ceiling to it. Um, So yeah, I mean, I completely agree 
with what you were saying. Again, maybe a nicer version of what you were saying, but I, I think you're spot on. Can I can I say something real quick? Let's hear it. Just real. Can I just say something? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. Um, there were three teams in that Cam Reddish deal. Am I wrong? Charlotte because well, it was Charlotte, right? Charlotte, I guess I guess technically four because Portland or Philly got looped into that, right? Yeah, even better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so out of those four teams, with the product that they received back in the deal on the floor, three of them are undefeated since that trade. Oh, we're, we're gonna do this, huh? <laughs> I know where this is going. And then Cam hasn't won a game. Cam no, Reddish has not won a game. I think no, he has won a game, but they're one and two or one and one. And the Charlotte Hornets are now undefeated with Svi Mahailuk. Uh, he had 12 <laughs> points tonight. I just want to shout out Brother Svi. All right, nice. Brother Svi. Uh, and obviously Josh Hart is playing really well for us. And Jalen McDaniels. I see. Is it Jaden or Jalen? Which one's in? Uh, Jaden. Jalen. 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 Oh. My bad. Are we talking about the one in Philly or the yes. one in Minnesota? Jalen. The one Jaylen's, relative Jaylen's, to the subject is in Philly. So the one in Philly is being tapped in for late defensive stops. And Cam Reddish is just being allowed to hoop while they're down 18. So I think uh, it was a close call, but we won the deal. <laughs> what if I, how many how many catch and shoot jumpers do you think Luca's taken this year? Oh geez, stop. I would bet it's zero. I, I've ranted about this. I ran about this all the time it's, on okay. It feels like zero. Okay, but it's actually okay. He's played 1791 minutes coming into tonight. He's taken 41 catch and shoot jumpers. Just wow. just gonna throw this out there, okay? Uh guess how many catch and shoot jumpers Dinwiddie took for them? 53 minutes or 53 games played, 1808 minutes. 105. 158. Who was and he's ostensibly the other guy in that offense that was like allowed to do anything right is it this is not just like this is this is not normal and this is not i don't think this is about jason kidd i don't think this is about coaching i think this is how luca wants to play because they played like this under carlisle and Kristaps got pissed off and he was like please get me the fuck out of here um they, and they've played like this without carlisle so at this point i think this is an organizational decision that is made to cater to luca and we don't need to talk about luca again on this podcast sorry <laughs> um to that end I tweeted the numbers earlier for Brunson as well, and it's the same thing between catch and shoot and pull-ups. That's just, yeah, I'm not going to say his name again, but you're right. That's just, he's a prima donna, and that's how he wants to play. And if it means they're losing, then he's not going to run from the grind, and he's just going to be uh, European Damian Lillard. And the thing is, though, is like you're seeing with Brunson – like Brunson, I would argue has been, I don't, I won't go as far as to say heliocentric like Luca is, but the offense pretty clearly revolves around him when he's in the game. Like he gets the majority of the initiation, the initiating. But you know who he's else a willing catch and, he's he's a willing catch and shoot uh, three point shooter off the ball. Like you put him in the corner, you put him on the wing. When Julius Randle kicks it out to him, he's shooting, and. You just you don't really see that too often from Luca, and I, I mean Schwinn, I, I know you hated this about him too. This was a James Harden problem too. Yep. Harden was right. And I mean, and the Harden was right better off ball, to be honest. Harden True. was. He probably was. I mean, it's yeah, not yeah, like a good sure. <laughs> And I think that's why. I mean, he, you put him with Chris Paul, he had to play it off the ball, and like 
that is the difference. Like the best year of James Harden's life, he took probably the best team in the history of the NBA to seven games and like could have beat them if Chris Paul didn't get hurt. Um, Luca's got to learn. Like he's got to learn the same way LeBron did and the same way James Harden did. Like basketball teams don't win this way. They just don't. I don't care how good Luca is. And as long as Luca keeps playing this way, his supporters are just going to say, keep saying we need to get him help. And to Schwinn's point, that's not it. All right. We talked about Luca for too long. The thing I want to talk about first, <laughs> even though it is a little bit negative, is I wanted to jump into RJ Barrett. I'm sorry, by the way, Colin. I, I know you wanted to say something, but I just wanted to move on back to the Knicks Hawks game. Um, RJ Barrett. Colin, I'll let you lead us off because you were talking about his post game. Nope, nope, I'm good. I'm, I've been put in the corner for five minutes. Go ahead. Please. <laughs> what? Please. I didn't. Shit, man. All right. Then we'll go to then we'll go to RJ's biggest fan, Tyrese. Let's talk about RJ Barrett's game tonight and just the overall vibes heading into the All Star break. What are you, what are you thinking about RJ? Ni hao. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, you want my I, <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um God. Uh this was a slight uptick in like the month he's had um but ultimately speaking like i think i don't think it's a hot take to say he's the worst player in the rotation right now um which is not good for your third highest paid player or your third most important player player um we are again schmidt being sure probably disagree on this i think we're nearing some cost fallacy uh like I would look to get off of him this offseason. Like and that like I get the idea of like keeping him for a star and you know like he could be the centerpiece. I don't expect him to have that value this time next year. I don't expect him to realistically be somebody who's like being who has enough value league wide to highlight a piece like that. So truthfully speaking, like if you gave me Buddy Heal, I would take Buddy Heal for him right now. Um, that doesn't do anything for I you. Know, what it that doesn't, for it you? doesn't do anything for the team. So then, why would you do it? This is this because is this I is so stupid. Just, it doesn't matter. This is so short sighted. It doesn't. You don't need RJ to be. You need to get something that actually helps you long term. All Buddy Heal is going to do is make you marginally better for one season, and then he's going to be thirty two on paper, probably thirty. I, don't, I, don't, I know. I'm. I not. I did not say that. I would. I said that if you were to give me the deal for the deal, I'm not saying trade him for Blake Hill. However, my whole point is like, I don't really like. He's improved as a two point scorer, which is nice. But like, he hasn't taken the least that you would expect him to take, given the fact that the starting lineup around him is a very solid starting lineup. Um, and he has to take the lead as a creator, given the fact that he's beginning creator ups in the second unit. I just. Like, there's nothing that I can point to part of his game right now being like, oh, yeah, you know, like, this is a clear positive that we've seen develop. Because, like, again, you look at his shot chart, his shot chart is fucking horrendous. Um, like, there's no but, green. But there is a difference between that and, okay, trade him for tra- for Buddy Heal. I, I am. Oh, we could, we could get lower. Um, <laughs> no, we can't. We can get Buddy, lower. Like, trade him uh, for Buddy Heal. If you, if you think you can do worse than that, that's. Gordon Hayward. No, that like the thing. None anyway, of these deals make any sense. Like, I know, but, but like, yeah. you, you you have to use like the thing is. I'm not saying RJ is going to be amazing or anything. I 100 percent do not believe that the last month is indicative of like his level as a player. Um, I will continue to say that, like, 
I'll give you an example. And obviously, this is not the same. It's not the most accurate example, but it's a similar one. Um, he he was not as bad as RJ has been this year. Jalen Brown, when he after his, after his second year in the NBA, third so entering to his third year, he's twenty two years old. That summer, um, they dangled him in trade talks with the Spurs for Kawhi Leonard. He was then reduced in usage and importance in role. Came off the bench really because Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward came back. So it's not the exact same thing. But I do think there is something to the idea of like young dudes who are trying to figure out their way in the league. Yeah, like I agree with you. He should be better because he does have a better offensive context right now. But I also think like to some extent, he's probably dealing with some subconscious disappointment of like, you know, oh, I thought I was going to get the chance to like be the guy for a year or something. And that hasn't happened. And then on top of that, he's obviously struggling with his shot, which looks to me like he's just got no lift right now, which is kind of bizarre. So I do wonder at times, like, is he carrying something we don't know about? Cause it's like a month ago. I mean, before he got hurt, he looked like he was moving better than he had all year. And then now it's like, he can't move again. So I don't know what the hell is going on there. And if that's, that's obviously that's something either if he's hurt, okay, fine. He's hurt. But if not, then that's something that he needs to just like get with a different trainer, do something different than what you've been doing in these off seasons, because every year cannot be like, okay, he needs three weeks to like finally get into some kind of fucking rhythm. And then he goes on a run. And then as soon as he gets hurt again, if he misses any time, then it takes him another fucking three weeks to get ready. Go Like it can't be like that. You've got to like the, the athletic consistency needs to be better. Like, so there's, there's no denying all this stuff that he needs to be better. I'm just sorry. Like at 22 years old, like this is probably the time when people decided that Andrew Wiggins was done. Like he, this was it. This is the player he's going to be. And that's all there is. Obviously they're not the same player, but like I, I'm not giving up on a 22 year old wing who has had flashes and stretches of play that I wouldn't say is like star, but like is extremely good. You know, like if you can take the December, or January, like he's had months where you're like, okay, this dude over like a full season would actually be a really fucking good starter and maybe in the right year, a borderline all-star. But like, I'm sorry, I'm not giving that away for Buddy Heald. I'm not desperate to move off his contract. I'm not desperate for any of these things. I, I think that the Knicks' best play here is still to hold on to RJ until he either has the value to move for the type of player you need to lift your upside, which is not some fucking boring, bum-ass role player like OG Ananobi whose best skill is bench pressing. Like, I'm sorry, that's not the move that's going to move the needle and make this team a championship team. You have to be patient. You have to take... And if anything, the way that they've ha- they handled Randall last summer should be instructive. Um, not to say that RJ has flashed the level that Randall played at in 2020-2021, but he's definitely flashed a much better level than we've fucking seen this year. So uh, I- I'm not interested in trading him right now. I really would not consider trading him in the offseason unless... You're getting some type of package that in the long run you feel can help you land the type of superstar, star, whatever that you're ultimately looking for. Like I I threw this out there, but let's say like, you know, the Heat are just desperate and they're like, you know what? Fuck this. Let's just give up, you know, we'll give them, the, they'll have to eat the Duncan Robinson contract and we'll throw in some salary filler, but we're going to give them both our, our unprotected picks that are left or whatever. Like if you get a team that's willing to give you unprotected picks because they just need, they need to take a shot on something. That's something to consider. 
And I would seriously consider that because that's something you throw those picks. Like we know that when you trade for a star now, it's almost like you need to have at least three unpredicted picks, almost four to be in the conversation. Um, like, okay, now you've in a position to like, okay, this could change things. This could actually get us in the conversation while still leaving us the opportunity to have some powder dry um, after that to give us more flexibility down the line to fill in the roster. Uh, trading him for just like old dudes who are okay or good role players, you're going to have to pay way more in a year. I'm sorry. I, I'm just, if, you, if you're, that's like saying your ambition is just get to the second round and never, like, let's be the DeRozan Raptors. I'm sorry. Like, that's not a very appealing, uh, you know, goal to me. Let's try a little bit higher. That's all I'm saying about trading RJ. It's not don't trade RJ, never consider trading RJ. It needs to be for a purpose beyond like, I'm sick of watching him play basketball. That's just not a good reason. And I learned this by Julius Randle this year. So thank you, Julius. And thank you, Tyrese. I think that my breaking point isn't going to be with RJ as much as it's going to be with Tibbs. If we don't find him trying to enable RJ in ways that will make him successful. Like RJ is frustrating to watch, but at a certain point, how long do you watch the same fucking shit over and over and not try and do something to enable your struggling third overall draft pick? But you've already locked into a four-year deal. I'm also never going to trade anybody when their value is at its lowest, like to Schwinn's point. So it's on the coach and it's on him to get his head out of his ass and figure out, why the fuck he's forgotten how to play basketball. He should go hang out with Julius during the all-star break or something. Just be around him. Sincerely. Can you believe that we're at that point? We need I... RJ to be a sponge. Yeah. Absorb, Bro. absorb all the lessons that Julius has. to. I'm like, fuck the all-star break. I want RJ to spend the entire off season with yeah. Randall and Dallas. Like. I think he just needs to break routines. Like. I feel like, and this is something different. Yeah, this is not a bad thing. Like, I think RJ has has people he trusts, and he likes sticking with kind of like his inner circle group, whatever you want to call it. But this is probably a time in his career where he maybe he needs to step outside that and like, like you know, or at least just try something new. Like, right, Julius, I think worked with the same guy he's worked with previously, Tyler Ralph, this offseason. But he obviously, you know, he talked about. Johnny Bryant came and saw him. They talked, and then he he's getting like what like is it mindfulness help or well whatever it is mental wellness help. I don't know what the fuck you call it. Um, that guy that sits with him before games anyway. Oh but yeah, like, this is meditative. Yeah, like maybe maybe RJ needs that. Maybe he needs something. I don't know what he needs, but I do think he needs to. If he's really trying to like get to a different level, I do think he needs to be working with different people at least a little yeah, bit. Um, <laughs> Go sit in the dark. Oh, I don't know. That man was that that man was flying all over the world quickly. He wasn't just like hanging out in one place. But guess what? He like did his work and he worked with different people, right? You see him do yoga with Johnny Bryant, then he's working out with this guy, he's working out with that guy. Um, I don't know. I, I think RJ does need to be more of a sponge of other players and people around the league that maybe he's not around. Uh and maybe I'm totally wrong on that. Maybe he does do that and we just don't know about it. But like to me, it just looks like he's whoever is instructing him in the offseason, which is Drew Hanlon. It feels like we're watching the same dude over and over again. 
and he's gotten better in certain very micro areas, but it's like there but should be like more. Those are just a byproduct of his shot falling for certain. Right. Things. That's what I'm saying. Like they, it, it should be more than that. And if it's not yeah. more than that, then you need to work with different people. Probably. Do you guys think, and this kind of goes with what Colin was saying about the coach needs to sort of point RJ in a direction and a better direction. Do you guys think that there's any merit to the idea that right now with how the Knicks are playing, if you look at all the, all the, like the Knicks now have seven guys, uh, Hardenstein, Mitch, Julius, Jalen, quickly Grimes and Josh Hart in the rotation who are good players who are nightly going to give you good output. And the Knicks are just a good team. And they're expecting on like Tibbs is the coach who wants to win every night and is going to play the guys who are going to give him the best chance to win every night. And then you have RJ who I'm not saying he can't play well right now, but what I am saying is that there's two different paths. He's sort of at a fork in the road. There's the path where RJ can focus on the ancillary stuff that Tibbs probably wants him to focus on and be kind of like that third option role player, catch and shoot guy, beat closeouts, focus on defense. And then there's the path that RJ probably sees for himself where he, he fancies himself a star. Do you guys think there's any merit to the idea that that disconnect of what RJ wants himself to be and maybe what's best for the absolutely best for the team right now could sort of be getting to him mentally. Like he's trying to do two things at once. Yeah, I mean, that would not be the craziest thing I've ever heard. A 22-year-old has his head stuck up his ass because he just signed a $100 million contract. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but I think that also goes back to what Schwinn's saying about the personnel that he's spending time with, the same people that have coached him up to this point. Like, you can't just plateau now, though, because you got a $100 million contract. And again, I don't think we've seen him do anything, you know, outside of the defensive end that's been stark improvements that are not a byproduct of, hey – he's shooting 45% from three this month. So things are opening up for him. Like, yes, I agree. That is very, very well likely. It's probably what is happening. Yeah. Oh, Tyrese. Yeah. It's definitely going to be like a bit of a reality check to like have this guy essentially get signed. And like, you know, he's good, but I think a lot of people expected him to maybe be like the number two, um, you're thinking that he's going to be your co-star or you're going to be his co-star. And then it comes out like the guy who was basically like burned at the stake comes out and now he's all NBA and you're like, Oh, and then quickly comes out and he's better than you. And then they get Josh Hart and then Quentin Grimes is having a really good season as well. And it's like, it's, it's gotta be humbling, especially when like you've been essentially built up to be Canada's, um, Canada's, Canada's best, um, Canada's best like export ever. Like his dad literally runs Canada basketball. Um, his godson, he, he is Steve Nash's godson. Like he's essentially been the pride of Canada since he was like ten. And like the fact well, that he should get a sole U.S. citizenship and denounce Canada is that what you're saying? Maybe I don't know, but like that like that's literally his trajectory like <laughs> you look at those like u16 u18 teams it was literally rj barrett and like guys jags so like when you come in you're you draft the number three overall like give people things to you your franchise you're saving the franchise whatever whatever and then it turns out okay you maybe just might be like 
the guy who um, shoots threes, plays defense, and attack closeouts. That's definitely going to be a bit humbling. Um, I feel like the end of that spectrum is more like Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota. Like, yeah. I don't think RJ's all the way gone yet, <laughs> like like they were and how they were viewed at that time. And obviously Wiggins, like, since a reclamation project, as Schwinn likes to note. But, yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. But Wiggins is definitely the path, right? Like, if he's not going to be a star, Wiggins was clearly the third most important player on that Warriors team. And it was him embracing the role player stuff. He was he, – he did a little bit of work in the mid post – but for the most part, he's catching and shooting from threes or catching and attacking. And he was there. I mean, I know Draymond's their best defender, but Clay wasn't the guy who they put on wings. It was Wiggins who they put on wings. And, you know, uh, Wiggins had a ton of years in Minnesota when he basically practiced being the guy. And it was a bunch of, you know, not to, not to demean RJ, but it was a bunch of RJ like 20 point seasons that basically meant very little, you know, in terms of actual impact on wins. And it wasn't until he went to Golden State and embraced the ancillary parts of the game, and they're actually not so ancillary, but the role player parts of the game, that he became a positive impact on wins. Um, I'm going to leave Schwinn with the um, last. Oh, sorry. It's the Wiggins example is always weird. It is. I agree. Uh, I was. Yeah. I was just going to say the the Wiggins example is always weird though because Wiggins has had such a like it's just an odd development path career path whatever you want to call it but i think the biggest thing is just like dude i I remember watching this guy play defense his second year in the league and he at least like knew how to use his body he knew how to use his leverage his strength and like right now i'm watching him like like for example you know in the fourth quarter today he's guarding aj griffin aj griffin's fine he's a solid rookie whatever this is not a knock on aj griffin and, but, like, RJ is kind of mirroring him the entire way, but at no point does he actually, like, use his body at all to, to bump him, to get into him. And then you compare that to a guy, like, quickly, who is giving up, you know, God knows how much weight, God knows how much size in a, in a matchup like that. And I promise you, quickly is not letting AJ Griffin just freelance and, you know, spin move his way Eight feet, eight feet from the hoop. Like, it's just not going to happen. He's going to fight him way more. And and I'm just like, I don't know, understand how that's happened. And you almost see this lack of physicality offensively, too. Like, even when he's posting up, I don't feel like he's using his muscle at all on a post-up. So he's, like, always trying to get into the middle and then do, like, these spin moves. And I'm just like, dude, can you, like, play with force? Like, I, I don't understand. The only what was time- the one possession where he dribbled under the basket back around? And then he and took he a flip shot on Capella. Yeah. It's like, what was that? I don't know. And and it's just like, I, I just watch this stuff and I'm like, the only time he plays with force right now is when he's going in transition. That's it. That's the only time you see him just like, with, you know, total free, like just freight train down the, down the line, down the, down the paint. And it's like, that's why it was like good to see him take that pat that kick out from Brunson in the fourth in quarter, the fourth quarter yeah. and just go to the rim just go go challenge somebody and like yeah go get fouled go to the line like go like just get yourself going man I don't know like it's almost like I feel like him and Quentin Grimes they should like switch brains right now or something because Quentin doesn't like he looks like hesitant to shoot anytime he's open and RJ this guy can't not shoot when he's open and it's just it's so frustrating it's like dude can you guys 
freaking what like RJ, you attack the rim. Quentin, go back to being Quentin Grimes. That was cool. Um, I think both those guys need the all-star break. I do think Grimes is he's played a shit ton of minutes compared to what he has previously in his career. I think that's affecting him a lot. And uh I think I suspect he will shoot the ball much better down the stretch of the season than he has kind of in the last couple of weeks. I concur. Last comment on RJ. Quick answer from all three of you. We'll start with Tyrese. Do we reach a point this season where Josh Hart is just the starting small forward? No, I don't think so because I think they care about their asset. Colin? I'm probably going to have to agree. I think it's possible that we get more games where Hart is closing over RJ, but I don't think that it's – I mean, if I've learned anything from the Alfred Payton days, I don't think we're ever going to get to that point. Schwinn? Um. I I jet. Are we, will we ever bench RJ? No, I don't think we'll ever bench RJ. I don't think it makes any sense. Because if if your plan is to, even if you don't, even if you want to do what Tyrese said, it, like not kind of facetiously said, but if you want to train him for like Buddy Healed, you can't bench him. That's just going to look really bad, and that makes no sense. So regardless of whether they want to, if they believe in him long term, or they plan on flipping him as soon as he has a good stretch of ball, like you have to keep starting him. I'm sorry, like there's just no way you're starting Josh Hart over him. And quite frankly, if you're playing Josh Hart over him, then just fucking start quickly. Because I would, I would, I, that would might like if you're going to make a change in the starting lineup, and it's and you're going to bring one of those guys in, it should probably be the guy that's been here the entire season, the guy who saved you in like many many ways. Um, not a knock on Hart at all, obviously. But if you're going to make that switch, it should be him. It should not be Josh Hart. Um, and it's it's not going to be either, so it's fine. All right, let's uh, let's get to some comments. Better late than never. We appreciate everyone who's tuned in. Um, we'll start with Jordan Bub. He says Brunson is him. IQ is him. Hardenstein was amazing on the board and defense tonight. You know what? We we have not really said Hardenstein's name. If we have, it hasn't been enough. Good for him. Like you know, like I don't know how many games it was. I think it was the Cavs game when he just basically said, like, I haven't been I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to do, and I'll be better. And he's been good pretty much every game since then. And I feel like Hardenstein is such a almost known quantity that people forget he's, he's only 24 years old. And you got a 24 year old who had the best season of his career doing one thing, signs in the biggest market in the world. And then his coach basically doesn't let him do any of the things he's good at. And you're 24 years old. That's got to be hard. And did he complain? Did he say like, oh, I need to be used differently? No, he just put his head down. And he's been great at the stuff Tibbs wants him to do. He was awesome protecting the rim tonight. He had 10 rebounds, three blocks. Like, Hardenstein's awesome. That was a great call by Jordan Bub. Yeah, Hardenstein's been awesome. Been really, really good. I think I've said this on a few pods now. Like, he's moving way better. He talked about his Achilles being like it was a, it was a big problem to start the year. I think he mentioned it was sore and it was something that was lingering. He's moving really well. That block he had on. Was it Okongu in the first half? That yeah, was like, yeah, I was like, oh. are you Mitch, dude? Like, what, what's happening here? It's like, I that was incredible. That blocking out of Trey was hilarious too. Yes, yes, especially because Trey tried to like, he tried to sell it. He was like, ah, <laughs> and all the like, time. What was it? Uh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Never make that sound again, by the way, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tweeted it a couple of days or no, a couple of but games. There were, ago. there were like three Knicks around him. They, 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 he, fuck what Trae was Trae. that? Uh, I was just saying, fuck Trey. Um, but, 
but Hart, Hartenstein, he's played great. And I think it's it's really commendable because they're still not using his passing at all. And he's still finding a way to be a positive offensively. His rebounding has gotten a lot better. He's actually, he's not just getting to offensive rebounds and putting them back up. They're actually going in now, which is great. Um, he's just playing great. And his defensive rebounding has come on huge in the last couple of weeks too. Yeah. Lot, way better way better at holding his box opposition, actually grabbing rebounds. He still has one idiotic play game that I'm like, I, what are you doing? Uh, but his mistakes are loud. And I think that's why while he was playing poorly, it was really tough. But now that he's playing well, those dumb mistakes, you're just like, okay, we just deal with that and move on. It's kind of like Julius to an extent, except Julius is even more ridiculous in game. And then I look at the box score after the game and I'm like, eh. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Dude, so, like, what Julius like was he checking in the first quarter, and you're just oh like, you know God. what? All right. <laughs> like, it's not the four. It's like, okay, you know, he hit three goes on. Like, yeah. Uh, before you know what? You know, played two thousand two hundred eighty-nine possessions with Hartenstein, and we're now plus one and a half. I cannot Let's tell go! you. I cannot tell you how far they've come. In terms of net rating, when with Isaiah Hardstein on the floor, because I was checking like every four or five games since the season started, I mean he is really to say he's come on as of late is like not doing enough. Uh, the best lineup is Brunson, Quickly, Grimes, Randall, Hardenstein. Uh, they're plus fourteen point seven with those five guys on the floor. Uh, he's, I mean, instrumental in in a lot of the Knicks wins and the way that they've been playing in those games, you know, down this recent stretch to get us into the all-star break. Uh, shout out to him buying in. And also I will say that like, even though like it's not popping up in his, like his assist numbers, I do feel like his connection with Hart has already been really good. And they've like been finding each other on those cuts a lot. And Hart inside has been making like, he's essentially getting hockey assists and then Hart's like passing out to like open shooters or another cutter off his cuts. And it's like, the offense has been following a lot more with those guys playing, and I think Hartenstein using him as like a low post. Um, man, like they're not cutting in the way that I think a lot of us expected them to, but like they're still making it work. And ultimately speaking, they're still leveraging his playmaking, which is really good. And I'm also really interested to see how he plays with Mitch. Well, I think but, Jericho Sims is just going to get sent to the shadow realm. Well, yeah, he should be right. So it's again to Jeff's point. Hartenstein's rotations are largely going to be the same, and he's going to play with the same group of guys, which is when you have a player who struggles so much to start the season and finally found his stride, like that is super important uh, with somebody as huge to this team as Mitch is coming back. Uh, but, yeah, I think Jericho just gets sent to the shadow realm unless, you know, Hartenstein's in foul trouble or something. Yeah, I don't know why the people like Wally on the broadcast is like, I'm interested to see what happens. I'm like – I don't think it's going to be that interesting. Sims is going to have a decision. It's to going make. to be pretty straightforward. No, he's not. Sims will go to the bench. Yeah. And Mitch will start. Like, what? Like, it's going to be Deuce and Jericho Sims leading the pom pom parade for the bench. <laughs> and Guess that's what? Okay. Good for them. That's good, though. It's also good. Like, that's actually the type, of, that's actually the caliber of player that being situational is good. I mean, Tibbs won't actually use them situationally, but it's like, okay, if you have an injury now, You've seen these guys play a certain amount of minutes and your team has been able to stay afloat and win ball games. So like you have a level of confidence there. Um, And now go into the off season, work on the things you weren't good at. There will be opportunities again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just life in the NBA. Yep. 
Absolutely. Um, uh, Colin, uh, uh, villain in the comments is asking if you're still friends with either of your prom dates. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> um, Chris Bernhard said Wally got to be the the hating commenter. That's where he does his best work. You know what? I, I I'm uh I'm on board with that because Clyde is Clyde's just sort of in his own world. So he's got to be sort of the yin to Clyde's yang when he shows up. Clyde is doing the games intoxicated. That's Wally literally hates on everybody. Like as he should, man. Tonight was fun because he had so much more shit to say about the Hawks because they were running around with shit running down their legs. But he also was very critical of the Knicks and then making stupid-ass comments like the Sims one and the rotations. He is. I mean, that's literally just – that's why he clocks in. It's to find the negative. Shouts to Ed Cohen, though. Ed Cohen is solid. I like Ed Cohen. Yeah, I like Ed Cohen. I agree. Like, he's better than Kenny right. Albert. I'll say that much. Y'all are going to have to help me out with this one because I'm blanking on – what he's talking about here. Villain X says, Jeff, who whiffing on a Randall pass do you blame for not? You said you had a parlay. Oh. <laughs> Duh, man. Good call, oh, Don. It was Brunson. It was Brun- Brunson passed. He had two on one possession that he bricked. That is, I, I just, I, I mean, this wasn't a, I mean, Brunson, I think, carried an even higher usage than normal this game. It's just Brun- Randall. Brunson was- just has to be better. All right. That's yeah. all it is. <laughs> I gotta say, if that's if there's a takeaway from tonight, <laughs> just bro, come on, come on, Jalen, we need more. No, can we? Can I just say, I think maybe the funniest play of the game was Nate McMillan calling a timeout to pull all of his starters. They come back in and quickly is just playing full court press and steals the ball. The ball. The ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the that actually just sums him up so perfectly as a player. Um, the Knicks absolutely need to extend him this offseason. I don't care what. They will. They yeah. will. Yeah. And it, the lesson, and and back, I mean, literally, this is fluid with what we were just saying to Miles and Jericho. Like, pay attention. Like, quickly used to be in their shoes. This is how he plays when he gets minutes now and a large role. Like, literally, the bench comes in, and the first thing he does is rip the fucking ball. Like, that was just beautiful. Yeah. Um, to speak of the bench unit, uh, I think Hart has seamlessly fit this team a lot better than I think any of us thought he would. He's got to stay on the bench. Yeah. Um, well, you, you, had to, you had to clarify which Hart you're talking about here. Black Hart. Um, <laughs> Whoa. You missed last pop where we said. I heard about Hart. it, though. Hart is White Hart. And then it's Hart and then White Hart, but I guess Schwinn needs more clarification. Um, well, you know, I just want everybody to, you know, before. You know, we got to like do this for, you know, two, three post games. And after that, we'll just assume everybody's in on it. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, if Josh Hart is going to be like another, of course, he's not going to put up 17 points per game, but I feel like something like 13 to 15 is reasonable for Josh Hart. Um, I'll walk with quickly. If him and quickly can like put up those guys, okay, fine. 13 to 15 is probably the stretch. I would say 12. Let's say 12. Oh, you're saying you're saying points per game. Yeah, yeah, points per game. Jesus, I thought you were saying thirteen to fifteen million a year no, on his extension. No. I was like, I mean, oh, he, he's, he's probably gonna be around that, honestly. Josh he Hart? Was, who's yeah, paying for probably. Josh Hart, dude? Man, I feel like he's gonna get more, but mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. I had this thing with Prez, but it's like I don't think he's getting like insane money. I think he probably cast out of like fifteen, maybe sixteen million. Like I can't see teams going to pay Josh Hart out the wazoo. 
and I also feel like he wants to be here. So yeah. like, that's fair. He's familiar. So, uh, I'm sorry, Tyrese. I interrupted your point. No, you're, no, going you're, good, you're good. You're good. But like, I feel like the big thing was bench scoring, and I think they needed more of a gunner. But I feel like if Josh Hart is going to be the way he's playing now, like he's just going to be the Swiss Army knife that his team needs, and he's capable of playing around 30 minutes a night, like along with quickly, then he could give me probably 12 points a game. Like he's done it before. He's averaged like 13.4. So like it wouldn't surprise me if Josh Hart can give you like 12 points a game and quickly could give you like 13 points a game. That's a really good bench unit. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm actually not surprised at how seamlessly he fit this team. That was kind of like the least of my worries when we made the trade because I think like all the things he's good at, like known to like came in, we know he's good at these things, are things that we needed. Like we needed to add more juice. Like, not, and when I say juice, I mean get the fucking defensive Terrible. rebound, get the defensive rebound, which we know he's good at, and then push the pace. Right? Those are two things he's awesome at, and we needed them. We know that he's a good connective passer. Boom. We've already seen that. We know that he is a dynamic wing, like attacking attacking the rim, right? He's dynamic at it. So, <laughs> Jesus, uh, you either living by the monster truck rally or something? Uh, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. All right, man. Jesus. The highway. I don't know what's But, like, heart. Hart is good at all of the things that we've sucked at. And he's obviously an aggressive defensive player who can switch across positions. And the biggest thing for me is like, is he a true big wing? No, but man, you can't tell me that guy doesn't play big. He plays he's so like, he's strong. A, yeah. And he, he plays like a three, he plays like a, he plays like a three, four, not a two, three. Um, and that's exactly the type of player the Knicks didn't have. And you can say forever that Cam Reddish was a three, four that didn't get an opportunity. That man played 33 minutes last night and had one rebound. He's a terrible rebounder. That's one of the biggest <laughs> things you that's one of the how long have you been keeping that one in the holster? <laughs> not much. I didn't even really I've not even tweeted about Cam Rudder since he left because one hour and one minute. Yeah. I just don't care. But like if you're gonna be a three four, you got to be able to rebound. You gotta clean up the defensive glass. He does it. Um and you know, will Tibbs use that versatility? I would bet that hell freezes over before we actually try a small ball lineup. But like he does have that. He does give you that option. Uh, and then we knew, and the best part about the trade was that like the vibes were going to be great. He was not going to fuck up the vibes. The vibes are always going to be great with this guy. So, I mean, maybe I didn't expect it to be quite this great this soon because the three point shooting, apparently he's like, Oh yeah, I'll just take threes again now, which is awesome. Um, what is but, that about? I wanted to bring that up. I don't I know. Like, but, oh, you know, Tibbs gave him the green light, which like, I don't doubt the potential just like stupidness I'm losing the word of Billups and like the inexperience of Billups to be like limiting a guy like Hart to not taking wide open corner threes, but he only made 34 threes before he got here. He's like already made 10 in three games. Yeah. He's, I really think they play next to like F and Dame, like, when those guys are taking shots, I and mean, like a lot of it is like you know pull up bullshit, um, and then you have Grant as well, like and he was starting alongside those guys, so it's like he's not getting a lot of touches, and that's much Nurkic, you know, still does stuff with the ball in his hands, which he should not be, but like whatever. Um, I think it's hard to find a rhythm with those guys. So like, just to to Tyrese's point, just reading this off, 
Damian Lillard for the year usage, 33.1. Anthony Simons, 25. Jeremy Grant, 23. Nurkic, 22.3. forgot about Jeremy. Yeah. So if you're, if you're playing with those guys, like, I mean, Hart was at 12.7 usage. His, his usage with those four was probably like what? Eight or something. Like, honestly, I'll look it up right now. Yeah. But yeah. I was just about to do that. Um, I can. Oh yeah. Uh, his usage for those guys was 12.4. Yeah. So. And now his usage with the Knicks is 18.3. Also of 3,475 possessions with Josh Hart on the floor. Almost 2,000 were with Lillard and Simons. So, to Tyrese's point, perhaps that is definitely an indicator. Yeah, so, like, you're not shooting the ball with those guys. So, and he's basically there playing defense as a three. I just feel like the full-time threes. In a well-coached system, he should be getting the same corner looks that he's getting with us, with Dame and Anthony. But... Yeah, I, I, I actually agree with what Colin's saying in the sense of like lower usage doesn't have to correlate with less threes. It correlates with like less initiating and less, you know, shots in the paint. But like with three guys ahead of you in the pecking order, there's not much left for him to do but space and cut randomly. So like, I mean, Colin just said, what did you just say, Colin? 31 threes on the season or with Portland? 34. Or 34 but he played 50 games. That's under one a game. Like in today's game, that's kind of insane. Yeah. So, so JL is writing in the comments that I was about to bring this up. Joel Embiid is probably not going to play in the all-star game based on his latest comments. Because, I don't think DeRozan plays either. And I don't think Jalen Brown plays either. I'm not healthy. I haven't been healthy for the past three weeks or month. I was just trying to get to the all-star break without missing games. So, I'm going to start it now. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, All-Star 2023. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean I, I got to be honest. I'm kind of bummed that Brunson's going to probably end up playing. Like, I'm happy for him personally. Wouldn't it be so cool if he was just like, no? Right, like, but also, like, the whole chip on shoulder thing has clearly been good for him. Like, the whole, like, fuck you, I'm an All-Star. But also, shit, man, like, He's playing a lot of minutes, and he could just use the week off. Like, I would just rather he took a week off. That's just To be fair, like, I don't think he's going to play a lot of minutes in the game anyway. Yeah, he's going to play 14 minutes. Yeah, but gonna... there's, still, there's still the travel. There's still – like, it's just a different week. But he's also going to be with Randall, uh, Grimes, yeah. like – And Sims. To – Yeah. And hopefully RJ, to Schwinn's point, like – RJ Barrett will not be in the state – no, RJ Barrett would not be in the country. <laughs> RJ Barrett is going on vacation. Okay, fair enough. But nonetheless, those kind of, you know, that's an opportunity for camaraderie and team chemistry and whatever else. Not to mention, think about, like, all the pictures we're going to get for media day. It'll be great. It'll be great. What was the uh, What was the weird – Brunson's like, don't say anything stupid to RJ in the post game. Like, what's Dude, the- I don't know, but the vibes are great. That was the most fun, like – They're going to Magic City, bro. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. And you know what? Maybe RJ needs that right now in his life. Uh, he 100% does. <laughs> Dude, what did I say it's earlier? It's he couldn't stop smiling talking to Rebecca, and that's not because she was wearing a low-cut shirt. All right? Like, <laughs> he is – they've got plans tonight for ATL. Oh, L- listen, Torquin has all solved a lot of my issues. So probably will solve a lot of his issues as well. So, like, go – man, nothing wrong with some hookers and blow. 
hopefully you don't hit Jesus Christ. Allegedly, allegedly, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, not not that, not that. Tyrese would have no idea, obviously. Yeah, I'm sure there aren't any hookers or blow down off the side of the highway by the biker (laughs) walker. Tyrese lives. All right, man. All right, Jordan Bob has a good comment. After the All Star break, you're all you all have good comments. I didn't mean to, you know. But Jordan Bob has a, you know, let's let's look forward. After the All-Star break, five-game stretch with a back-back Friday at the Wizards and Saturday at home against the Pelicans, then a two-game, two-home game against Brooklyn and Boston. Finally, we finished the stretch against the Heat. What do we think the record will be? Tyree, start us off. What do you think? Four and one. Colin? Back-to-back Friday at the Wizards, Saturday at home against the Pelicans, two home games against Brooklyn and Boston finish the stretch against the heat i'd be shocked if we did better than three and two the pelicans game feels like a loss because zion's out and ingram's playing isn't that perfect then exactly no i think ingram's gonna cook us Mm, i haven't forgotten about our agenda tyrese i know but at the same time he's hurt so i might so i might have to jump ship i i'm gonna say i'll go i'll go three and two i think they just they've had no, I think they've you know whatever that means they've gone six and two in their last fucking eight. That's fine. I'll Three and two means what? That they're forty. They'd be at thirty five or thirty six and twenty nine. Twenty nine. Great. That's fine. That's great. Did you guys realize outside of the COVID year, tonight is the first time that we've won the game before the All Star break since two thousand ten. Like. We wow. literally are never like going into the All Star break on good vibes. This is good vibes. That's. I feel like. I mean, yeah, three and two. Let the alone a win streak. Fuck it, man! Like, just lose to Boston and beat everyone up. No, yeah, beat Boston and lose to everybody else if you have to. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like if yeah. is still out. I think they have a chance in that game. All right. Um, is going also, Miami is playing like trash. They are. Is, they lost is going small to five against Tibbs' gospel. This felt like a great game to try out Obi Randall when the offense was stagnating in the third with Sims on the floor. Um, he's just not going to do it. So like, <laughs> yeah, he's not going to do it. There's nothing to even talk about. Like, and he wasn't going to do it tonight of all nights. Not after playing Randall and Brunson for the entire third fucking quarter. He, he's never going to do it. Um, and unless he's absolutely forced to, that's the only time he'll do it. And at this point, like as frustrating as I find his unwillingness to try different combinations, especially now with heart here, even more frustrating for me, but like, I've just resigned myself to that. This is the reality under this coach. And if we want to see a world where that isn't the reality, then we will need a new coach. And that's on the front office to make that decision. So it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think what Colin just brought up, I mean, me and him have been bitching about it on the Strickland account on like a game-to-game basis. The the Brunson and Randall playing the entire first and third quarter thing is just idiotic. And we have hard now. There's 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 no justification for it. There's when I'll tell you this, and I bet Colin thought the same thing. In the first quarter at the four minute mark. When Wally said, and Randall's going to come out of the game right now. I was like, holy shit, he's doing it. He's staggering. And yeah, they showed yeah. Randall walking to the bench. And then they were like, nah, he's just walking down the court. And I was like, right. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> they he's just like, oh, wait, no, he's just doing his normal routine. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I, I know me and Colin are on the same page because we're both always bitching about it. I'm curious what Tyrese and Schwinn think. We're going to – there's going to be a time in the playoffs – when we just lose because neither one of them is on the floor, you can't just sit your two best players. And then you also can't just always go back to them because, Oh, this stretch where neither one of my best pl- two players on the floor looks bad. Like, of course, like, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I'm kind of rambling here, but what do you guys think? I agree. But at the same time, I kind of feel like quickly being as good as he is and hard being as good as he is, it's going to cover up, all, cover up a lot of the deficits that we have in coaching. Um, yeah, like, I like he's never going to do it. I think we understand he's never going to do it. Um, the idea he's getting fired, like, it's not happening. He's getting he's getting extended this offseason. Has Look Tyrese me. addressed the question yet, or am I missing something? I know. I'm just saying that he's never going to do school. So, like, you're just like, yeah. It, it just like Tibbs is never gonna have a situation where he feels like not having rim protection is a positive. The only way he's gonna do small ball maybe is if they get like a rim protecting four, but like I don't know, they're not gonna get that in season, so right. But the question is, how do you feel about Brunson and Randall playing the entire oh. third quarter? Okay, uh, I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, I, I, I don't like that either. Um, but at the same time, like, I I'm okay with them playing the entire first quarter. I think that's fine. The entire third quarter is where you're like, I'm like, okay, I would take out Randall and run Obi with the um, suckers. Because you would think, if anything, you would do the inverse and have them play the entire fourth quarter. Nah. Like if you were if you were gonna have to do one or the other, I'd rather have them play the first and the fourth. Yeah, rather have them play the first and the fourth. Like, yeah, that's right. if I was gonna be stupid and 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 commit to playing them for 12 minute stretches. Wouldn't I just do it the first and fourth quarter? I, I really didn't understand his subs in the fourth today at all. I mean, it didn't matter, but it was like. So you brought up the heart one earlier before we I, got on, but wasn't that right after the technical though? It was. It was like with two minutes. Two. I think it was just under two minutes into the fourth quarter, and but it and was the technical, right? Yeah, and he had Brunson in at like checking in at the scorer's table with like under like after just over a minute in the into the quarter. It was bizarre, and then it was like. He puts Brunson in, and you know, I'll, I'll just say this. I'm going to say this. Brunson is fantastic. He's great. He's not good at setting up the offense against zone. Quickly is much better at it than him. And when he comes in and sets up the off against zone, it often ends up in these stupid possessions where it's just like him and Randall doing some bullshit on the side. Sometimes it works because Brunson's really good and Randall's really good, and that can work sometimes. But I think the quality of shot they get against zone is much, much better when quickly sets them up um, their first two possessions of that quarter uh atlanta came up in zone two wide open corner threes for Obi. like he like he, they get good shots when he sets them up to be you know playing in against the zone so uh i would like i don't mind i love seeing brunson play with quickly i do think that there still can be a much better balance there between quickly being the off guard, but also allowing Brunson to play off the ball at times as well. And Tibbs needs to not be such a fucking insane megalomaniac with that. What's weird about that too is quickly now after tonight has a lower turnover percentage than Brunson. So like you'd think that you'd think that quickly would satiate his like obsessive need to like have control over every possession (laughs) and to guard against the mistakes, you know, but I don't know. Um, 
I, I just think the one thing that wasn't mentioned there about all this, though, is if you split up Brunson and Randall more, it helps your role players more. Like, this is why Tibbs teams always have a low ceiling. And honestly, it's why it wouldn't surprise me if this ended similar to 2021 in the, in the sense of we end the season with really good vibes. We get into that even that 4-5 matchup against Cleveland. Everybody convinces themselves that we're the better team. And then we just get kind of gobsmacked. And it, the reason is because Tibbs only wants to do things one way. He doesn't ever have a backup plan. And what splitting Brunson and Randall up does is it forces you to embrace other ways of playing basketball besides I'm just going to run through my two best guys. And it also elevates the floor of your worst players. Obi Toppin, he played well tonight. His He got more minutes with Jalen Brunson tonight. Jalen Brunson could help Obi Toppin. That's something he could do. We like to talk about, oh, thank God we have a point guard. Obi Toppin doesn't like, like, and I love quickly, but he's not as good as Jalen Brunson. And like playing with Jalen Brunson more could help Obi Toppin. You know, like. I think it's just two different. Like quickly and Obi have the way that they play. And the way that Brunson plays would be more enabling of Obi in that sense. Uh, But they haven't played much together. I hadn't thought about that. They don't play together at all. There's nothing more hilarious than when Obi checks in and just immediately hits a three. Like, those are my favorite possessions for the entire season. Like, he checks in, and then he's just in the corner, and he just drops one. And it's like, again, and tonight he played great defense. Shout out Larry Israel. Why didn't he play more? As much as I hate to push that narrative in wins, why didn't he play more? Yeah, I mean, it's – there's, there, I mean, it's just, you just feel bad for the guy. And I, I, I I'll, I'll say this, this isn't a defensive tips at all, but when he brought Brunson in, in the fourth quarter, like two minutes, he, he basically sent Brunson to the scorer's table right away, by the way. Yeah. Like Brunson got in at the 10 minute mark, but he was standing there with like 1130 left. Like, like Tibbs couldn't go one possession with quickly leading the way without being like, holy shit, we got to get Brunson back in the game. It was insane. But it's like seven minutes left, seven or eight minutes left. They had cut it to like 15 and Tibbs called timeout. And I was just like, man, like he's just going back to Randall. And he actually didn't go back to Randall. So like, whatever, like it got Obi an extra minute, but that was something, I guess. I don't, I don't know. That, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm with Colin. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for Obi. Like, and to go back to that earlier comment, you wish that there would be times when he would just let Randall and Obi play together for a couple minutes. Well, but. The easiest thing, if he's going to be this fucking insane about it, the easiest thing to do is to sit Randall for like three minutes at the end of the first quarter and the end of the third quarter. Right. And then play Obi for four or five minutes into the second and fourth and quarter. What does he think is and then bring happen? Randall back. Like nothing's like, it's fine. You're going to be fine. Brunson's on the floor. So you don't, you can, you know, you're fine there to end the third quarter. You can easily play four or five minutes in the fourth and the second or fourth quarters with quickly running point, especially now that you have Hart and Obi and RJ and whatever the fuck. It's just, it doesn't, it's hard. He makes it so much harder than it needs to be. And it's so frustrating because you're just like, I, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. And especially on a night like tonight where it's like, Okay, so just he can't do anything. Like I, I just, it's stupid, and I I don't appreciate any of the comments. He, he has this nasty habit of like throwing shade at his own players for whatever reason. 
um, you know, going back to like calling Obi the backup quarterback effectively last year and everybody likes the backup until they play and all this bullshit. Like, dude, just shut up. Like, just play the guy. You, you can't play the guy 15 minutes a night, really? Like, I, Julius is out there at the end of these quarters sometimes looking like he's about to keel over. You know, I understand Tonight he's in great, great shape. Example. What's up? Tonight, a great example. Yeah. Yeah, like it's just it's just stupid. Like you you can use even if you don't think Obi is great, just use him to give Julius more rest. It's not rocket science. He would be, I mean, the level of asset to us that he would be if all he was doing was providing Randall rest. But then also he can play. Right. Like yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. Also, to your point, Jeff, Brunson and Obi have played five hundred and fourteen possessions this season. The Knicks are plus 10. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it's just, it's wild. And to me, a, a team is about, it's about elevating the team. Tibbs has never seen it that way. And it's why the only real success he's ever had is when the star he was catering to was good enough to win playoff series. Like, like, you know, like people who defend Tibbs are always like, well, you know, like you need to give him talent there's plenty of guys who can win with an MVP level talent. That's not a coach is supposed to elevate you. Schwinn says it all the time. Tibbs defenders accidentally argue that a coach is effectively replaceable. Like they defend Tibbs by being like, Oh, well you just need to give him guys that anybody could coach with. That's not the goal of a coach. He's supposed to be elevating the entire team. I personally feel like he coach his entire scheme right now is to elevate two players. And there are people who can fit into that, and there are people who don't. And the way Tibbs sees it is basically like, if you don't fit into the way I see it, I'm just not going to play you, and that's it. And that has no ceiling, and it just – you're going to see a lot of situations like we've seen with Evan Fournier and Cam Reddish and blah, blah, blah. Like there's just how many how many more names do we have to see? And look, uh, I'm not I'm – not, you know, going to end this on anti Tibbs rant. We're 33 and 27. We're in a really good spot. But as we start projecting forward to the playoffs, I, I just, these things need to look different because our guys are going to be tired. Brunson's playing 38 minutes tonight, like you guys were just saying about Randall. I mean, he only played 35, but they, he played 35 without garbage time. Like, and then we're going to get into a situation where we're just not prepared for that situation because we don't do anything different than other than the one thing that. To be fair, is it's working really well right now, but I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm cautiously nervous. Or I'm just I'm just nervous. Tib, Tibbs figures out of Tibbs figures out good regular season formulas sometimes, um, and let's be honest. Like anybody that just wants to pretend this is all Tibbs coming to Jesus and figuring it out on his own is a fucking loser. It's just completely deluded. Uh, that's obviously not what happened. He obviously got input from the front office, unless you really want to convince me that at some point he was just like, oh, you know what? I love Deuce McBride now. He's definitely in the rotation. Um, no, he he got told what to do to some extent. He got guidance in the right way, and 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 kudos to him for taking that on board and not resisting it, um, which I'm sure was a problem last year, which was reported on last year. Um, so that's a, that's a feather in his cap, but it's not some amazing – coaching achievement that we need to lionize okay the guy has a good team with a bunch of good players it's actually hard to find bad combinations of players it's hard to deploy them in ways that are not positive and um 
I'm sick and tired of pretending that Tibbs is doing something that he's not, that is so incredible that nobody else could be doing. I'm sorry. It's not that incredible. Okay. It's just fucking not. He's fine. I'm not going to sit here and rant and rave about Tibbs, but ultimately you need coaches who proactively search out solutions and proactively look for different combinations so that when push comes to shove in critical situations, critical games, playoff series, playoff games, they have options that they have tried. They have options that they're aware of and that they're not going in blind. And a coach like Tibbs is fine. He's going to get you to a certain point, And that point might be good. We're at a good point right now. But I promise you, you are never, ever, ever going to be a serious playoff contender in any capacity with a coach this stubborn. You're just not. And like, but the other reality here is this Knicks team is very good. The margins for how good they are are reduced in the playoffs when most teams will increase the minutes of their best players and best lineups, which are often the lineups they play the most. Tibbs effectively has consistently been okay with not playing his best lineups, at least not to start games. Um, And that cuts you off at the knees in some ways in the playoffs. And when teams know you have a set rotation pattern, um, more or less, they can game their rotations to fuck you over. And we've seen that happen to Tibbs repeatedly. Guess what? It's not going to happen a bunch in the regular season now because Josh Hart is here and that bench unit is so good that good luck trying to find a way to render this unit in the regular season, um, you know, and, and find a way to nullify it. But it's going to happen in the playoffs. I'm sure of it. Maybe they'll get, they, maybe they can win a round because the team again is actually very good and it's much better than the team That's they had ceiling, in 2020, 2021. But coach and how much praise he deserves because he just doesn't deserve the endless praise he's going to get. If anything, the front office deserves way more praise, way, way more praise. They have made the hard decisions here, right? They did not pay the price for Donovan Mitchell. They were willing to eat shit on some contracts, move off of a lottery pick. And yes, they got three protected first, but they did that to clear cap space to sign Jalen Brunson and Isaiah Harnstein. Jalen Brunson has been an all-star caliber player. And if anybody's trying to tell you that Tibbs scheme, like I, I think Wally said something today about how Brunson fits so well into Tibbs's like offensive scheme. And that's, what's pushing him forward to some extent. He insinuated it. That was a ridiculous statement. Um, Brunson is elevating the scheme because he's just that fucking good. And Randall is playing great because He's got his head out of his ass and he's, his processing is way better and he's taking shots from better locations. Like if you want to give credit to tips for some of that stuff, cause guys are buying in, go for it. If you want to give credit tips credit to the point that we're praising him for this shit. No, give me a fucking break, dude. I'm sorry. The, the shit he's doing this year, half of this stuff is things we were saying last year. Oh, play quickly more. This isn't fucking rocket science. This was obvious last year, unless you were like, eh, well, quickly didn't make a shot for a month. His field goal percentage is under 40%. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. Maybe fucking learn the game. How about that? Burks yeah. had to play, though, to get the pressure off of Randall. Yeah. Because he didn't have a point guard. And, and these guys still parrot that shit. Wally said it today. Oh, man, it's so great to have Brunson because the Knicks just didn't have a point guard last year. And honestly, I think it's insulting. It's insulting to quickly. And it was insulting last year in real time. So, like, you want to give Tibbs credit? Cool. I'm fine with that. But I'm not going to sit here and lionize the guy for doing shit that he, like, really was not that complex. It was not even that complex this season. 
We like the entire start of the season, we were like, yeah, I don't know, maybe try a new lineup. This 48 thing doesn't seem like it's working. Um, it, it's just it's dumb. And and look, Larry Israel brings up a good point. Yankees relievers all pitch one inning every outing, never and never three days in a row. Then the playoffs come and they need to pitch longer and more often, and they are doing something they have not done. Correct. You have to put guys in situations, in different situations, and test them out. And not just, you know, because you're shorthanded for two games in a row or something. It has to be something that you're willing to try out. And, yeah, maybe it costs you a game, but you know what? It might win you a game, too. But Tibbs coaches so reactively and so much out of fear that he's always so worried about losing that he can't find that balance to try things out that might push your ceiling higher in the long term. That doesn't mean they definitely will, but if you never fucking fu- try it, you'll never know. Um, and he, he would he would yeah. never have any interest in taking a step backwards to take two steps forward because the step backwards terrifies him. So even if you're gaining a step in the long term, he would just pass on the opportunity because he couldn't handle the step backwards. And so many of his decisions are just out of out of fear. Um like you were just saying, like just you can just see him like guarding against the worst case scenario. My dad says it all the time. My dad for his job, he basically his his entire job was basically just guarding against worst case scenarios. And he's like, he's always like saying, like, okay, I see what Tibbs is thinking right now. Like he and I'm like, yeah, that's great that you see what he's thinking, but we, this is a bass, like we need a we need him to be a basketball coach right now. And I mean, look, Tibbs says, let's, let's be fair. Like he, he, he does plenty of things well too, but I, I mean, I think that the ranch when just went on was all time. Couldn't agree with him more. Um, Larry does have one last question for you, Schwinn, that he wants you to answer. Who is better IQ or Brunson? Oh, as Dallas, this question is Dallas. Good to say something quiet. Um, who's better? Uh, Brunson, but <laughs> Like, I, I think this question is so stupid because denying that, like, environment and lineups and stuff like that don't matter is bullshit. And quite frankly, Brunson might be better today. I quickly was better at the same age that Brunson was. Who knows what Koki can be? Because we have a coach who will never empower him to experience what it's like to have 22, 23, 24 usage and not have to look over his shoulder every time he misses a shot. All right, I uh, I think that's a good place to end it. Um, anybody have any last thoughts, Tyrese? You've been a little, you've been a uh, yeah. Where where you been at, Tyrese? Uh, Is your I boo mean... Sam? <laughs> you texting Sam? You good, bro? <laughs> All right, guys, glasses over here. All right, man. <laughs> Can we highlight Omar's previous comment? Tyrese is texting RJ to meet him at the uh, the club the club in Atlanta. <laughs> oh, he you know he he's texting R- he's texting RJ to meet him at the gym. It's like, all right, bro, uh, we gotta get you right. <laughs> uh, RJ gave his jersey to two chains after the game. Yeah, I'll just he's interested. Um, uh, I'll sure. say we didn't talk about Josh Hart enough. I don't want to spend. I don't want to talk anymore. But just shout out Josh Hart. We are three and O. Pretty impressive stuff and a further testament and credit to the front office, as Schwinn noted earlier. Uh, and if they would just talk to the press, then I could finally give them their flowers. But until they talk <laughs> to the press, it's the same as if they didn't do anything. So. How, how could we live without them knowing how much they mean to us if they don't talk to the press? 
Yeah, that's what actually going to ruin. You know, I'm really pissed that you even mentioned that, Tyrese, because now I don't know if I can enjoy this win anymore. <sighs> did, did you understand you're supporting a fascist co- corporation? Uh, We're just sending like, it to I, fascism because we don't talk to the press. Actually, the Great Wall of MSG is compounding us all. And somehow you're blind to see it. Wake up, sheeple. I just got one text from an anonymous Western Conference executive uh, about the Knicks. It says <laughs> that they're a fun team, but they try hard. And their absolute ceiling is winning one playoff. <laughs> uh, but they're also unlikely to ever be a good franchise as things currently stand, in his honest opinion. And then he said in parentheses, don't face ban me, bro. I don't <laughs> it's know. funny. That's the funny. latest source streamline. Yeah, I mean, look, Karalabob tweeted that. He deleted it. It's funny because last year he tweeted, oh, the Bulls are the team that the Knicks think, wish they had. Um, and he also deleted that because um, that's – he also, very famously, I don't know if people remember this, but I'm going to do it. Uh, back before he took uh, the Mavericks job, he very openly tweeted about how he thought Kristaps Porzingis had a much higher ceiling than Giannis did. Um, and that has aged brilliantly. He deleted that when he took the job. Um, but there is a team that traded for Christoph Porzingis, and they did get fleeced by Steve Mills, who is one of the worst executives, maybe, I mean, at least in Knicks history, which is probably saying NBA history. Um, so congrats to her all, Bob. Very smart guy. Just ask him. I'm sure the crypto world is treating him well. Um, I hope to hear him on a podcast soon with Bill Simmons where Bill can um, shamelessly verbally fillet him uh, for owning a second division soccer team in Spain um, that probably will never get promoted. And, uh, you know, I mean, they definitely won't get promoted with Haralabob at the helm. And to be fair, I have not said one way or the other if that was my source. I just want to clarify. We're all just making assumptions here. Man, Schwinn, where is this hate coming from? We're talking about like the most successful NBA gambler ever. Like this is some, this is some, this is some fire coming from you. I've never, I've, I mean, I know, I know you had it in you, but shit, man. He, he's a bum, man. That guy just he loves the smell of his own farts. Fuck him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what better way to end it than when Schwinn telling someone fuck it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's oh man. Um, man, that time already. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Uh, last comment from each of you. What are you guys excited about for the All Star break besides just some time off from not covering the Knicks? What are you, uh, what are you guys looking forward to? Being able to do my papers without guilt and um, Jalen Brunson making the team because half Boo the this man. Half the All Star team is hurt, so Jalen Brunson is going to have to make it by default. We win. Uh, Colin? I don't think I'm looking forward to anything. Oh man, I guess no. I'm uh, maybe maybe I'm alone here, but I, I I actually really enjoy the All Star Weekend. I really like, I I especially really like the three point contest for some reason. I three like point contest is fun. Uh, obviously, we'll all be watching Jericho. Um, I'm gonna watch The Last of Us. I haven't watched a single episode, saving it wow. for All Star Weekend, so I have something to consume my time. Uh, Schwinn, what about you? Uh, I was literally going to say the exact same thing. That's hilarious. The us. They didn't know that uh, we were going to be together, but now they do. Neither yeah. of you. Wait, have you not seen an episode either, Schwinn? Nope, not one. I was saving it for this very break. Um, I was you supposed to do it last. Y'all are in for a treat, man. That's I was, it's it's a great watch. I was supposed to do it last weekend, but then I just ended up 
you know, not not doing it at all. <laughs> so, guessing. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. This I'm actually really looking forward to like not like there's just no basketball available to watch. And I don't watch the All Star game. The All Star game is terrible. Um, I watch All Star Saturday. All Star Saturday is fun. All Star game terrible. Waste of time. Never watch it. Um. Last question about The Last of Us, but I'm not. Are either of you familiar at all with the video game? No. I, I played it. I beat it. So. Oh, nice, least, dude. Least look at, thing. Look hey. at this guy. Hey, man. Some of us got a PS5 today. <laughs> it's a good day. Wow. Yeah. PS5. Tyrese, have you, uh, have you watched the show? No, I haven't watched the show. Yeah, I'm waiting for it to like, all come out because like I'm just going to binge watch it when it comes out. Dude, each episode is like a movie. There's no binging this show. Dude. Yeah, I beg to differ. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm just saying it's like they're 90 minute episodes. Like, it's, okay, it's, 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 it's worse. All right, well, I semester. Good. I respect it. All right, well, uh, that's. I mean, y'all don't. I don't think y'all want to hear us talk about TV shows for you know another half hour. So, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Really appreciate all our viewers. Um, Schwinn, can you close us out with what we have and where to find us? Because you're used to it with the pod. Yeah, uh, you can find us on the strict.land on Instagram. Give that a follow. All kinds of new content that we're posting on there. Also, if you are watching this on YouTube, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a massive help to us. We also have a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. A number of different tiers. I'm not going to do that right now, but you definitely subscribe to that. And uh, check out all the pods. Check out all the articles on the website. Uh, a lot of good stuff out there that is produced by the strickland um so check it all out and that is our show for today hope everybody enjoyed it everybody enjoy the all-star break the Knicks have the sixth best record in the eastern conference ninth best in the league they are a good basketball team and that is a good place to be sitting at the all-star break so everybody enjoy it peace Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.